We're on chapter 13, The Sleepless Saint, and on page 139. But however, before we begin, let's just kind of come back to this moment. The chapter begins with uh, young Mukunda having been at his guru's ashram only for six months, um, kind of reigniting in him that desire although later on Yogananda quantifies it more as a memory of having lived uh, and spent so many lifetimes in solitary meditation in the Himalayas that that just continues to drive him somehow and so again that desire ignites he wants to kind of go back to the Himalayas he <laughs> asks his guru for permission uh, Sri Yukteswarji doesn't say anything silent stays remains silent gives a little hint that there is nothing that he's seeking that he will find there and that he goes anyway and he goes anyway <laughs> <laughs> very familiar story for us yeah. and of course on his way before he makes that trip like all of us he's seeking validation uh, for his own desire and so he says what better way to seek and find validation than from another saint and at least in this particular case, Yogananda knows this saint to be self-realized. And he seeks him out, Ram Gopal Mazumdar. So the theme of the beginning of this chapter essentially is us having our guru, yet a part of us somehow feels that, you know, my true spiritual progress will come from somewhere else. We love our guru, we respect our path, we are very much in our path, committed to it, yet somehow there's still a draw or at least a delusion that says this is not yet it something else awaits me and as part of that we do want to go around and see who else can kind of give me what i'm looking for and when uh, yogananda does finally find the whole story of him just getting lost again and again also because uh, the other theme here or just a hint of a theme here is that also of arrogance of our own spiritual process and uh, Yogananda out of that arrogance does not give his respects, does not honor God at the Tarakeshwar temple and because of that is forced to kind of roam around a little bit longer in delusion like all of us his roaming was just a day and a half our roaming can be a little longer than that but that's where he finally comes to Ram Gopal Mazumdar, the sleepless saint. And we'll find out exactly why he's called the sleepless saint. And like any true master, Ram Gopal Mazumdar's advice to Yogananda is pretty much this. There's nothing that you're seeking that you won't find at the feet of your guru. Um, Narayani and I have had, you know, the privilege, the blessing to have met a few um, if not completely fully realized saints, sometimes that's always hard to know, but at least extremely and very saintly people who kind of find their way into our lives again and again. But every time we've been in their presence and the natural inclination, you know, it's just like here you are in front of a man of God. You want to ask something, you know, I mean, Yogananda in all his travels through all these saints, he always wants to find himself, he always wants to converse with them, to connect with them. And so here we are in their presence. But every time Narayani and I have asked for direct guidance or just like, 
how you know if there's something you think we ought to be doing you know please do what would that be and almost always their responses you're already doing what your guru has told you to do just do more of it and when somebody says that it really kind of warms our heart because then you really understand that this man knows and really respects and understands what that guru disciple relationship is and even his own realization he does not impose on us because it's not his to give us and this is where we find ourselves now here with young mukunda with ram gopal mazumdar in their little in his little kutir they've just had a meal together which ram gopal mazumdar beautifully lovingly single handedly not allowing yogananda to participate as guest is god and he feeds him after uh, that meal yogananda like any one of us would be tempted asks this question sir why don't you grant me samadhi this is at the very bottom of page 139 dear one i would be glad to convey the divine contact but it is not my place to do so your master will bestow that experience shortly your body is not tuned just yet as a small lamp cannot withstand excessive electrical voltage so your nerves are unready for the cosmic current if i gave you the infinite ecstasy now you would burn as if every cell were on fire so unless we're ready for every cell in our body to be on fire <laughs> i think this also suggests to us that perhaps we're not quite ready yet for the experience of samadhi uh our guru defined that moment of when he received that cosmic touch as the uh what was it the shock of omnipresence he's like suddenly you know from being such a limited individual he says you get this shock of immediately kind of having to expand into absolutely everything and of course none of us could handle it we'd probably go mad <laughs> a little insane if we were to experience that shock even in the gita when uh, krishna reveals his you know virat roop to arjuna arjuna can only handle that experience for a little while and he he kind of asks almost begs krishna to return back into that form and the the very simple uh, explanation of why we're not able to handle it is right here your body is not tuned just yet so everything that we're doing on a spiritual level all our practices all our attunement to the guru is to tune ourselves to be able to handle that amount of power in the sense we're essentially tuning our nervous system especially to allow so much of that cosmic voltage to flow through us and of course in addition ram gopal mazumdar says it's not my place to give it to you and so that's another very helpful kind of understanding for us to relax into it's nobody else's place to give it to you but your gurus and he will give it to you 
when you're ready for it not sooner not later he's not purposefully delaying that experience from us he's not just sitting and watching us struggle and say haha you know let them figure it out he's just waiting until we get to the point that we could actually handle that shock of omnipresence <laughs> then he'll give it to us it has always surprised me when i hear people at the very beginning of their spiritual journey already asking or looking for those cosmic experiences where you can see them that they cannot let go of completely even in their own half an hour meditation that sense of ego identification some people who can go really deep in meditation and have uh, that kind of expanded consciousness they cannot go all the way through because they get scared you know they they, they are not allowed themselves to allow you know to give up to surrender that ego so they hold back and they come back to the body consciousness because they are afraid they are going to lose themselves in that experience in meditation in their own bedroom so to have the experience of samadhi i can only imagine what an overwhelming experience that can be so when the guru um, advises us to take it easy to take it gradually there is a reason behind it there was one of the first disciples of yogananda who kept almost pestering <laughs> yogananda and bothering him master when are you going to give me samadhi when are you going to give me samadhi and yogananda you are not ready yet and this disciple every time he would say master when are you going to give me samadhi when are you going to give me samadhi one day yogananda just looked at this disciple put it almost put him against the wall and he just with all that energy and power and you know light from his eyes he told him are you ready to have this experience i mean i i can only imagine the power that came through yogananda that this disciple said no no master <laughs> i'm not ready because he could feel intuitively what a empowering and overwhelming that experience was so when we ask for it and if it's not it is not coming to us just relax in the process and accept the possibility <laughs> that we may not be ready another time one woman disciple came to touch yogananda's feet after her meditation probably she felt something there and she just ran to touch yogananda's feet and he stopped her and he told her don't touch me right now otherwise you will burn yourself the masters that are in constant communion with god they their, their bodies sometimes are on fire you know cosmic fire and and we are not ready even to touch them physically because it can be too much for us so anyway little thoughts to ponder when we ask for that divine experience yogananda used to say 
if you have to pray for anything, just pray for the love of God mm. and how you can develop that love in your heart and then share that love with other people. There is nothing more powerful than to have that experience of unconditional love and then share that with the world. It's also helpful to re constantly remind ourselves that everything that our Guru has given to us, whoever your Guru may be, is for specifically allowing us to actually get to the point where our bodies, our consciousness is ready for this experience. So don't resign yourself to the fact like, well, I'm not ready. In fact, get encouraged and say, okay, but I can do so much to get myself ready. And every day is us getting ready for the experience of Samadhi. And so it should really become a motivation for us uh, and not so much a, well, if I'm not going to be ready now, and just waiting that one day the Guru is going to decide that you're ready. Well, he can't, he's not going to decide that you're ready. You're going to have to be ready, and then the experience will just flow from him naturally. So let's work on that and not just wait passively for it to come to us. And, and let's just remember that this experience has really nothing to do with our physical bodies, even though yet the body needs to be prepared, our nervous system at a physical level, but it's an attitude <laughs> that we need to develop when so much power is gifted to us. Because once we receive that power, that experience, how are we going to treat it? How are we going to share it? How are we going to manifest it in our daily lives? And many of, all the, ex of the experiences are mm, taken away from us mm -hmm. because we wouldn't know how to handle them. Um, We'd use them wrongly. Also. And use them wrongly. <laughs> And, and use them also <laughs> to manipulate other people, fulfill all our desires. to fulfill our <laughs> desires, and to be so proud <laughs> of the experience that I just had. So, wow, <laughs> there are so many, <laughs> so many layers like, mm, I need to think about that one too. That's a good question to ask. If I did have, you know, God's consciousness, yeah, what would I, I would do, do with it? And for most people, I'd get just the right person. I'd be just perfect in my relationships. Write I'd a blog about <laughs> it. Yeah. <laughs> Start a series, you know, like this one. So we just have to kind of recognize in all humility that there's some work to be done, perhaps a little more preparation. Back to our sleepless saint who says, You are asking illumination from me while I am wondering, inconsiderable as I am, and with the little meditation I have done, if I have succeeded in pleasing God, and what worth I may find in his eyes at the final reckoning. Well, we were talking about the right attitude, and this is how Ram Gopal Mazumdar sums it up. He's like, you've come to me, you're asking me for illumination, you're asking me for God consciousness, while I myself am trying to figure out if I have 
received any worth in God's eyes? Have I done myself enough even to deserve the power that God has given me? And that's the kind of, I mean, that's just an amazing humility that none of us could even conceive to have in our daily lives. Not right now. Right now, it's fine to have that humility. When in fact, God's power is flowing through you. One thing Paramahansa Yogananda once said, I, I believe to the question, what's the greatest miracle? And he says, the greatest miracle is for a master to have the entire power of the universe flowing through him and still not use it. And that's something we wouldn't know how to do. We constantly want to use everything that's given to us. We want everything to, everyone to know who we are. We want every experience to be ours. We want everything in our life to be smooth and easy. And most of us join the spiritual path with that intention. You know, I'm joining it because uh, I, I think that I don't have abundance consciousness. So here I am, you know, I'm doing these uh, meditations and these affirmations. Oh, I'm joining because, you know, people, I, there's too much negativity in my life. So I'm trying to just protect myself. Or to know? escape from something. To escape from the hardships of, you know, of a tough life that God has mistakenly probably given me. And so we've got to keep examining our intentions again and again, even in your meditation. Watch for the thoughts that come during your meditation. They are your key battles. They are the things where what desires are generated while you sit to meditate. What conversations do you run through your mind? Where does the mind naturally want to go? And for all of us, it can, it's just mundane things, even food and little fights that we had and whatever it is. And even in that, we are so caught up. Imagine Ram Gopal Mazumdar saying, I have no idea if I've even gained any real worth and, in and God's the, eyes. And the kind of meditation that this guy does <laughs> we, is, we'll very, is very different from the kind of meditation that, <laughs> that we do daily. <laughs> I think <laughs> once we read these next uh, paragraphs, try your best not to get too discouraged. Yeah. <laughs> and then Yogananda, who also is surprised at this question, suddenly says, Sir, have you not been single-heartedly seeking God for a long time? I have not done much. Bihari must have told you something of my life. For 20 years, I occupied a secret grotto, which is a cave, meditating 18 hours a day. Then I moved to a more inaccessible cave and remained there for 25 years, entering the yoga union for 20 hours daily. I did not need sleep, for I was ever with God. My body was more rested in the complete calmness of the superconsciousness than it could be by the partial peace of the ordinary subconscious state. I'll stop here for a moment and just let that sink in. For 20 years, in an inaccessible cave, 18 hours a day. Okay. <laughs> then, moving to an even further inaccessible cave for another 25 years, for 20 hours a day. If 
we ever feel that we need to go out to the Himalayas, we need to go somewhere and we need to meditate, the first question we have to ask ourselves is, can we meditate for 18 to 20 hours a day? And if we can't do that, then, you know, mark my words, wherever you find yourself, all you will be doing is getting lazy, getting dull, and essentially living the life of a bum, which unfortunately today is um, a lot of the sadhus that you see, a lot of these uh, so-called medicants that we see. Uh, Paramans Yogananda said that when he did go to the Himalayas, which he doesn't talk about in the autobiography, there was this little brief six-month period, six months, almost a year period, before um, he joined Sri Yukteswar at the ashram, um, that he did go to the Himalayas and spend some time there. And he was said he was surprised that he saw these sadhus fighting Fight over blankets, blankets. <laughs> uh, you know, begging for food, hardly meditating, and just being spiritual, which, you know, what does that even mean? But Ram Gopal Mazumdar setting for us the right bar. So even if Yogananda were to go, was he going to meditate? I mean, he could but would he have 18 hours, 20 hours, for 20 years and then 25 years, 45 years of an average of 19 hours of meditation a day? Anybody of you who thinks that you can manage that, right now I'm sure your guru will give you the blessing for you to say, go do this. And then of course he talks about the fact that he needed no sleep because in that true restful state of meditation, you can receive far greater rest than sleep can ever provide you. The muscles relax during sleep, but the heart, lungs and circulatory system are constantly at work. They get no rest. In superconsciousness, the internal organs remain in a state of suspended animation, electrified by the cosmic energy. By such means, I have found it unnecessary to sleep for years. The time will come when you too will dispense with sleep, he says to Yogananda. But in a sense, he's also saying to us, we're there in the room with them. And so a time will come when we too will need to dispense, will or can dispense with sleep. But only until we reach that stage where truly during our meditations, were being electrified by cosmic energy. This is the reason why just even uh, not a very deep and long, long practice of meditation has scientifically already proven to slow the aging process down. Studies have been done with people who meditate regularly versus who don't, that biologically those who meditate are a minimum of five years younger even if they're of the same outward age than those who don't meditate because in meditation as we withdraw the life force away from ourselves and as he says it remains in this state of suspended animation there is no decay taking place inside the body anyway so the cells for those moments kind of slow the aging process down slow the deterioration of the body down so <laughs> don't make that a reason to meditate alone but that too is happening in our meditations however we have to go really really deep to the point where in fact we've 
uh, withdrawn all the life force from the senses, from our heart, from our lungs, from the circulatory system. And all that energy now is within the Shushumna, resting in the brain. And that's the state, of course, of the breathlessness that Hong Sa can bring us. Because when the breath stops, it's because there is no more life force anywhere in your body that requires the breath. The breath is like the coal that has to be fed into a steam engine. Well, when the engines shut down completely, there's no more feeding that it needs. So when our engines, all our systems kind of completely relax into that state of suspended animation, and then the breath can simply, uh, completely cease. That's the state that Ram Gopal Mazumdar was staying in for 18-20 hours a day. My goodness, you have meditated for so long and yet you are unsure of the Lord's favor? I gazed at him in astonishment. Then what about us poor mortals? <laughs> That's exactly the question we're asking. <laughs> what about us? Let's just pause a moment because I really like this sentence when Yogananda said, yet you are unsure of the Lord's favor. I mean, it shows so much Ram Gopal's consciousness of not taking for granted even a lifetime dedicated to the search for God. I mean, he had no children, no spouse, no job. I mean, his only Dharma, I mean, like, like an actual, you know, Dharma, God-given Dharma in this lifetime was to just meditate and evolve spiritually through the action of meditation. I mean, that seems that was his one single-pointedly, you know, direction. Still, he didn't take that for granted. I mean, all those years, my wholeheartedly dedication, my love for God, my thoughts are only around God. I have given up everything, every little desire. I mean, no food, no sleep. It's like I'm almost in constant communion with the divine. Yet, I don't want to presume that I have achieved anything or, or, or taking even this consciousness that, that I'm developing for granted. I mean, <laughs> I want to meditate on that concept because it's just fascinating. I mean, once you dedicate a lifetime just only to meditate and then you, you don't even want to have that as something that you know, even that you don't take it as precious or something that God should consider. Like, <laughs> I'm giving my life to you. Might as well you come to me right now and show me that I'm in unity with, this, with you. I mean, it's just like, let me just be cautious, even in my own perception about what God means or how I'm experiencing God. Anyway, just wanted to pause there for a little bit. Yeah, it's a beautiful thought. And so, to the question, then what about us poor mortals? Well, don't you see, my dear boy, that God is eternity itself? To assume that one can fully know him by 45 years of meditation 
is rather a preposterous expectation. Babaji assures us, however, that even a little meditation saves one from the dire fear of death and after-death states. Do not fix your spiritual ideal on a small mountain, but hitch it to the star of unqualified divine attainment. If you work hard, you will get there. After raising the bar so high, They're like, okay. 45 years of 20 hours of meditation, thankfully, Ramgopal Mazumdar then brings it down to where we are right now, which is even a little bit of meditation. Mm-hmm. This is what Babaji assures us. Of course, Ram Gopal Mazumdar was one with God and he experienced God all the time. It was the attitude that Narayani was referring to where he never presumed that he's yet experienced God fully because God is eternity itself. One Swami Kriyananda asked Yogananda, you know, does it ever end the spiritual journey? And Yogananda says, no, it carries on until we achieve endlessness, which is, again, one of those things uh, we can't even conceive, can't even comprehend. But that also means that the soul's journey of unity with God isn't just one boom, you're united with God, boom, nothing else. Even in the unity with God, the endlessness of ever new bliss continues to be experienced and if it continues to be experienced and there's still ever new bliss available then you've not experienced it all then you're not yet you can't yet fully even comprehend god because there he is still stretched out before you as new experiences of bliss that you haven't experienced i mean and that's what Ram Gopal Mazumdar is referring to. Not, oh no, you know, it takes forever and you have to meditate so much and I've meditated so much and I still don't know if I have found. Of course he knows he is one with God, but he now explains that concept beautifully by saying, it's because God's eternity itself. How can I, how can anyone, just dedicating, as Narayani was saying before, one lifetime, 45 years of meditation, how can one fully know him? That very idea, he says, is preposterous. Babaji assures us, however. So then he brings it down. Because while he's shown us what the top of the mountain looks like, he also knows that we're yet to walk up this mountain. So even a little meditation. This is where we have to start from. And this is where Ram Gopal Mazumdar would have started from. Not in this life, but many lives in, the, in previous Little meditation, little meditation that became 20 hours of meditation. And for him, he didn't even need those 20 hours of meditation, yet he kept at it. Do not fix your spiritual ideal on a small mountain. And this is where um, we fix our spiritual ideals. To fix this aspect in my life, to fulfill this little desire, to overcome this little fear. He says, hitch your yourself to the star of unqualified divine attainment. Where is that star of unqualified divine attainment? Right there at the center of the spiritual life. That's God consciousness that goes beyond the astral worlds, beyond the causal worlds. And the astral and the causal worlds are places where still 
there is desires to be fulfilled those are the desires we want to fulfill here that come to us as ideas as inspirations as intuitions even but go beyond even that ramgopal mazumdar suggests and advises us if you work hard you will get there i would say that even here when he says if you work hard I'm going to take this to me personally. If I meditate at least twice a day, <laughs> that's already doing the hard work. Mm-hmm. So sometimes the hard work is just not doing things that are even even beyond your capability. I mean, start working hard by developing the habit of meditation twice a day morning and evening some people even after years on the spiritual path are struggling to make of meditation a lifestyle you know a daily practice so if nothing else if you want to really start making serious spiritual process start working hard by meditating twice a day and once a week meditate longer double the amount of the time of your meditation that to me is already hard work because our lives are very busy we have so many responsibilities so many dharmas that need to be fulfilled you know so many of our energies constantly going into so many directions i mean let's let's just you know be comfortable with the fact that this lifetime is just not going to be dedicated only to meditate but but at least let's find the time where the meditation should be must be a part of our daily lives otherwise we are not going to get there as he said if you work hard you will get there so if you as want to get there i would say that's already you know the minimum that we should do in order to keep moving forward and if you do want to set a goal of a time that you should be meditating paramahansa yogananda recommended to all his disciples that be nice if we meditate at least 3 hours a day a minimum of 3 hours kind of an hour and a half and an hour and a half so if there's a goal that you want to aspire towards and you feel that it's possible for you to get there that's a lovely time frame to keep in mind of course you don't have to start there but you can certainly get there enthralled by the prospect i asked him for further enlightening words He related a wondrous story of his first meeting with Lahiri Mahashaya's guru Babaji. Of course the story is not here. It says over here it's on page 296 and so we'll get to that story. Many of you know that story. Around midnight Ram Gopal fell into silence and I lay down on my blankets. Closing my eyes I saw flashes of lightning. The vast space within me was a chamber of molten light i opened my eyes and observed the same dazzling radiance 
the room became a part of that infinite vault which I beheld with interior vision. Why don't you go to sleep? Sir, how can I sleep in the presence of lightning blazing whether my eyes are shut or open? Ah, you have seen, uh, you are blessed to have, sorry, you are blessed to have this experience. The spiritual radiations are not easily seen. At dawn, Ram Gopal gave me rock candies and said I must depart. I felt such reluctance to bid him farewell that tears coursed down my cheeks. I will not let you go empty-handed, the yogi spoke tenderly. I will do something for you. He smiled and looked at me steadfastly. I stood rooted to the ground, peace rushing like a mighty flood through the gates of my eyes. I was instantaneously healed of a pain in my back which had troubled me intermittently for years. Renewed, bathed in a sea of luminous joy, I wept no more. So Yogananda was at least blessed both to have this beautiful experience in the presence of Ram Gopal Mazumdar to be able to see as what he called the spiritual radiations, essentially the astral world, the energy behind which sustains this physical universe. And each of us, I think, in some fashion or the other, during our meditation, sometimes not even in meditations, have had glimpses of these spiritual radiations, glimpses of these lights, glimpses of these deep experiences that come to us from these higher planes. And um, it's helpful to hold on to those glimpses and keep trying to push and see what lies behind it, what lies behind it. As Yogananda said, when he would meditate as a child, he would always ask, what lies behind the darkness of closed eyes? And he said, it was that question that then helped reveal to him what in fact did lay behind those eyes. And so for each of us who are not yet closing our eyes or opening our eyes and seeing the lightning and blazing lights, um, don't despair, of course. Know that you've had these experiences in smaller doses and they will only grow when the time is right. It wasn't that Yogananda was having them all the time either. Um, it was that a special grace was given. And these graces come to us when we have had a great shift in our consciousness. Here, Yogananda has received two very key, um, not just understandings, but really deep realizations. One, of course, is my guru is all I need, which is perhaps the most powerful realization there ever is. And one that we all struggle with and have to come to eventually. And of course, the other one is that steadfastness and not getting confused, not kind of wondering where that you know journey is going to take me and just relaxing in your spiritual journey, even though there is enthusiasm to get there, but to deeply relax where you are while you walk on enthusiastically on the path. And because of these shifts, these graces come. And they didn't come while Yogananda was meditating or he was in this deep state of samadhi. 
No, they just came just as he was falling asleep. Because when consciousness shifts, it doesn't matter. Meditating, not meditating. Of course, meditations continue to support that shift of our consciousness. But when consciousness shifts, God's just available to be experienced all the time. In fact, I was thinking now, reading about the healing that Yogananda had. I mean, like almost that was the, pr the real prasad mm. that uh, Rangopal gave to Master, to Yogananda. That's really what happens when we are going through some mm, physical challenging, some disease, some sort of healing going on at the physical level where there is pain or there is fever or there is, you know, sometimes even longer periods where something just doesn't seem right with our body. The real essence of that disease, really, it's because there is a lesson that we have not yet understood and it gets manifested through a physical disease where you need to stop during that period, those days, those weeks, years, and really introspect what I'm not getting, what kind of attitude I'm not understanding, what kind of behavior I need to change so that energy that is blocking or giving me pain in my physical body needs to be released. What Shurjo was saying, Yogananda, just in a period of a day, boom, he realized, he understood where he went wrong. Then suddenly that healing came through Rangopal. But, but, but the real essence here was that he understood the lesson and only then that healing could happen. So for many of us who go through periods or are experiencing specific pains in parts of our bodies or you know going through some karmic disease, um, don't focus only um, about how to get rid of that physical pain, what kind of medicines you have to take, uh, how much physical rest you need, how many doctors you need to visit. I mean, really do some inner work and see if there is an attitude, a behavior, a thought pattern that needs to be changed and needs to be redirected because only then and then the healing will happen. After touching the saint's feet, I sauntered into the jungle, making my way through its tropical tangle until I reached Tarakeshwar. This time he didn't have any trouble, easily reached the shrine. There I made a second pilgrimage to the famous shrine and prostrated myself fully before the altar. The round stone enlarged before my inner vision until it became the cosmical spheres, ring within ring, zone after zone, all dowered with divinity. Another one of those graces given to Yogananda. 
just just when you get it right isn't that just beautiful this whole chapter is when just when you just get it everything manifests then it's just it's there's only god to be experienced whether in the form of healing because uh, as once yogananda told the story about a man who was about to die from cancer but you know through his deep devotion to god was completely healed and the man wasn't asking for healing the man kept saying to god god come into my broken temple come into my broken temple come into my broken temple and then finally when god does come and he has that div- divine experience and realization he realizes he's also healed and he says i was never asking for healing you know I, i was fine he knew he was the doctors had given him certain months and he thought in those months he'll just dedicate himself to god and then he hears the inner voice says where my light exists no darkness can exist and that's what happens whether it's healing whether it's these divine experiences it's only because an attitude and awareness a consciousness has gotten established not because we did so much or you know because we deserve some special uh, little tidbits from god he's just around for us to be experienced at all times not ever is there a moment where we don't have both the opportunity and the potential to experience god the only thing that stops us is we're not tuned yet we're not tuned to god we're still too tuned to ourselves to our bodies to our minds to our egos to our desires to the things that we have we're just so tuned to that and god's hiding just behind it and as long as we can only see the outer form we we miss out <laughs> those rings within rings and spheres within spheres all that are dowered with divinity i entrained happily an hour later for calcutta My travels ended not in the lofty mountains but in the Himalayan presence of my master. What a beautiful ending. I love those words. So beautiful. <sighs> well, eventually we'll come to that same same true realization. You know, in our hearts, in our minds, we know that our guru is all we need. and we try our best to live our lives in accordance to that yet creeps in these thoughts these delusions these desires that somewhere else lies greater <laughs> gifts waiting for us and my guru's perfect and i love him and he's there for me but, but i'm also going to, to go something as first i need this other certification in this other course or i need to learn these other techniques because somehow my guru given techniques are not enough and uh, you know it's just experience of <laughs> disappointment or fulfillment one way or the other will teach us that there is only one place we need to be in the himalayan presence of our master and not in the physical presence necessarily but with him in consciousness in love in awareness in everything that we do if we see him we're seeing god you know it's as simple as that the moment you start seeing your guru everywhere you just start seeing god everywhere and that experience awaits us yeah. so it's exciting i'm so grateful that yogananda really felt us sharing his journey so generously so openly so humbly humbly yeah yeah 
So all of us can really learn from his life, his doubts, his, you know, desires that he had and needed to be fulfilled. I mean, it's just, this is a map, you know, for the soul, all the places that we can go, all the stops that we are making along the way. Anyway, it's just wonderful. I, I'm learning so much from each chapter. We, we keep saying this. We have read this book, I don't know how many times, <laughs> in English, Spanish, in Italian. I have read it in three languages. <laughs> And every time I read it, it's like, like, whoa, my God, look at this line. I never experienced it in this way um, before. So um, thank you really for joining us because it makes a so much more um, enriching experience yeah. for us to not just read in our bedroom and just have that intimate you know, conversation and guidance from Yogananda directly, which we should do, but doing it as a group, it really becomes a powerful pilgrimage. Mm. And, and let's, let's, let's see where it's going to take us also next chapter. Yeah. Because finally, he... <laughs> he we get he the experience <laughs> we are waiting for. The next chapter is an experience in cosmic consciousness. So we have this one week. Oh, in fact, we don't have this one oh, week. Oh, yeah, it's true. <laughs> Narayani yes. and I will be taking some time off for 10, 12 days, starting early next week. So we won't have um, next week's Gita or um, the autobiography, including we won't have the following week's Gita and autobiography. So, which is great news for all of us because we, we are study. not tuned yet to receive cosmic consciousness. So now we have two full weeks to tune ourselves, attune ourselves, so that when we come to this chapter two weeks from now, we will not just be able to read about Yogananda's cosmic consciousness, but yeah. hopefully through it, we'll get an actual experience of that ourselves. In fact, just picking it up from this thread of meditation, perhaps the next two weeks, the emphasis you want to bring to your <coughs> spiritual life is the practice of meditation. And maybe you want to make sure that from now, from today itself, until we see each other again in two weeks, you have meditated twice daily. And once a week, you have meditated three hours a day or six hours a day, I don't know, maybe 18 hours or a whole day of meditation. But this could be a good challenge, practice, and, and take it as, as an inspiration that you want to practice and introduce in the next two weeks. Because, as he said, if we do the hard work, we'll get there.